Welcome to Insight, Kingspan Insulation's podcast on all things insulation related. My name's Alexandra and I'm part of Kingspan Insulation's marketing team. Today I'm delighted to have Matthew and Charles from our technical team joining me. Tell me a bit about yourselves and what you do for Kingspan. Uh, hi Alexandra, I'm Charles and I head up the BIM team uh, for Kingspan Insulation in the UK. Um, so my job primarily is creating uh, BIM objects for the products that we make. Fantastic. Hello there, yeah, so I'm Matthew Evans, I'm technical manager uh, here at Kingspan Insulation, so uh, uh, I kind of manage the overall kind of technical frontline teams, the uh, testing and certification teams, and, and obviously the, the BIM kind of uh, and digital kind of area as well in technical, so uh, you know, I've been at Kingspan was it 13 years now, so it's um, uh, looking forward to today. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about building information modelling, most commonly known as BIM. BIM can be described as a number of different things, so we're going to start by talking about what it means to us and how we'll be using the term within the podcast. Charles, how would you define BIM? So for, for me, I actually kind of have two definitions of BIM. So uh, BIM to me, I would say it's the, the Construction Industries 2.0 slash Industry Reset. Um, and that is full of collaborative working, uh, it's digital by default as common practice, um, it's bringing in futuristic technologies into the present day and, and making them part of day-to-day -day life. Uh, it's creating new and more efficient ways of working as well as upskilling our entire industry. Um, but what BIM will do is it will create a digital instruction manual for the building that that contains precise, accurate, and consistent data about everything in that building. Um, and it's it's basically building virtually before building physically. Um, but on the other side of it, for me, I also see that with the current industry, it's revealed how fractured the industry really is, how out of touch the industry is with current technologies, um, and has also highlighted many of the issues that we currently have in the con construction industry that we need to overcome. I think what's, what's interesting there is it's actually, from my point of view, is that what people think of BIM, sometimes we go, yeah, yeah, we think we know what BIM is, but we're not actually quite sure what it is. And uh, I know, Charles, you've been doing some kind of research, talking to different levels of architects, and, and what you find is, is that they're on a different level of a journey because some of them are actually going, we don't really know anything about it. Some of them are going, we're quite advanced. We've we, we're looking for different types of models now. Others are actually looking at more raw data set, aren't they? So how, how has BIM impacted us as a company? So uh, for us here, it's created new job roles. Um, we've now got a dedicated BIM team at uh, Kingspan Group level. Um, it's given us opportunities to create new services for our customers um, and it's also enabled us to get an earlier specification within a building project as well um, and it's really kind of opened our eyes that we need to be constantly researching the market and be in contact with the market to find out what they need from us or, or what they want from us. I agree with that Charles, I mean you know from my kind of role in managing the kind of teams and you know, what you're kind of seeing is that the frontline technical teams that's obviously still provide a very key, important role, but customers are wanting more now. 
You know, they're not just wanting that AD value calculation, which is a critical first point. They're now wanting that add-on BIM object because that gives them the data set that goes with it. So it's it's becoming a more of a um, in-depth specification now. I guess that's that's where it's kind of going. And, yeah, yeah. and you're right about, I guess we've kind of seen the, from early days, we actually seen the importance of what BIM was going to be. Um, and actually particularly moving from just a single kind of material object that we kind of list on the MBS kind of website and our, and our own website, but material layer sets where people are looking for the complete build up of a wall, roof or floor. Um, I mean, we've started to include those when you download a U-value uh, calculation from online U-value calculator, you've got the option to also select the BIM object. So that kind of relates to what I'm saying. And, and we, we're getting a bit of a growth. The more objects you put on there, the more people are saying, yeah, I've got the U-value calculation. I also want the BIM object as well for that particular build up. And that's the way I think it's going, is you want this kind of material layer set. Um, and, and we've seen a growth in that. So it, it's kind of changing, but I also see this starting to kind of uh, grow. Obviously, with the kind of recent kind of requirements that's come out from the Tudor Packet kind of review, she started talking about this kind of digital golden thread through that. And actually it's about, we've had people looking at old buildings going, well, can you give us a, a digital file that explains what that product was and what the performance of that product was? Um, so it's very much looking at legacy projects, new projects, and that what I call a digital file for that building. Um, so I can see it being, it's on the radar on, on a lot of areas now. Absolutely, and we will come back to um, this golden thread of information um, later on. But first of all, talk, me, talk to me about BIM objects and the different sorts that we have. Yeah, so uh, a BIM object is basically a, a digital representation of a physical product. Uh, they can be referred to as either a generic object or specific, and that's generally for a manufacturer specific product. Um, but uh, in general terms, there are two types. So you've got components, which are objects that have a, a fixed geometrical shape, such as a window, a door. Um, and then you've also got something called a layered object. So this is something that isn't a fixed shape, um, such as a roof or a wall. Uh, looking towards the Kingspan products, uh, we actually have three different layer types. Uh, so you've got uh, a single layer, which is an object that represents the single product. Um, so for us, that would be an insulation board. We've then also got a material layer set, which is matte said earlier is uh, actually an object designed for a specific calculation um, and that will do the full build up of say a wall um, and then we also then have assembly objects so this is slightly similar to a material layer set um, but it's a full construction build up with every product that goes into that build up as a specified product um, so I understand it then, Charles, is obviously, you know, the material layer set will put generic description for the other components rather than the assembly build up. You're actually putting in the actual proper digital object for, yeah. say, for example, um, I don't know, it might be a type of block work that you're using in the cavity wall. You'll have the actual digital file from the actual block work kind of manufacturer. And that's something we're starting to see grow now where we're, you're kind of joining up with manufacturers to get your, um, they're looking for our object and their object, or, or vice versa, actually. So you're creating a more detailed file there, I guess. Yes, exactly, yeah. And 
What kind? What are the issues when creating a BIM object? There are many. <laughs> um, so, the the biggest one is unstandardized and inconsistent data across industry. Um, you've also got how Matt said earlier, different parts of the industry want different things from a manufacturer. So there's not ever a, a one size kind of fits all BIM object because it just doesn't work. Um, you've also then got different naming conventions. So one project could be using one naming convention that works with the objects you've created. Another project may be using a completely different one um, and, and ignoring uh, the naming conventions that are outlined in BS1192, which has now been superseded by the ISO 19650 range of standards. Um, you've then also kind of moving on to the digital side of things. You've got multiple software packages that don't work between each other, so you have to use a common file format, uh, which then kind of you lose detail through. Um, and there's also on a manufacturer's side, there's quite a lot of confusion over what we should actually be doing for the industry. It's not clear what we should be doing, which has then led to a lot of manufacturers just going off and doing their own thing, whether that's right or not, is up to the industry. Yeah. Um, and then finally, really, I'd say main maintenance of the objects. Um, they need to be constantly you know, upkeeping those and making sure that the people using them know which version you're currently on because uh, the last thing you want is someone using a BIM object that's 10 versions out of date um, but also data security so once an object's been downloaded from our website or one of the hosting sites that we use we lose all control over that data um, which, which is quite a big issue that some manufacturers have with BIM objects. Fantastic. One of the issues which has been high on the agenda for us at the minute is the traceability of our product. How do you think BIM is going to help with that? So BIM is constantly tracking any changes um, that, that occur in the building, right from the initial concepts of design through to end use, through to demolition. Um, for, for a manufacturer's product, it now means that they're specified a lot earlier. Um, in the design and build phases of projects um, but for us I think that we need to develop the technology that allows us to easily track all the details um, but we'll also then look at something where you could scan a product when it reaches site which then populates the building model with the product type batch numbers warranty details etc as well as then notifying each party, so the customer and also ourselves, that that product has reached the site. Um, you could also look potentially at fitting our boards with sensors that could go into a digital twin as well, um, but it will also give us GPS locations and things of that board and the current performances and things that that board is putting out. Um, I think what I would say, you know, just a, a few bits from my point of view, obviously Kingspan, you know, we, for the K15 product, we kind of launched a traceability scheme, but that's very much a, um, when the customer comes to order the product, they fill in the form to tell us the name of the project, where it's been used in the construction build-up. Now, obviously, we've now got, uh, we've got the file, so we can know that people mm. call us up, we know that product, where it was installed and on what project. 
but actually, you know, what BIM would do, it would be that digital file for the project. So years down the line, somebody would go, well, what product was in that wall? They better look up and see what it was, you know, and, and, and that's where I see quite a, a benefit. And we've had obviously legacy projects where people have been asking us what products have been used. There is no building file. Um, and this is what BIM, it's a good point you made there, Charles, but actually you know, it can confirm what product was used, but also the data behind this as well. What was the performance at that time? And you talked about the actual having the right version of that BIM object. If you could go back and say, well, when that product was installed, that was the performance of that product at that time. Um, that gives you so much kind of information. <clears throat> so for me, I think it could be a, excuse me, we've got like a, two routes to kind of traceability, really. We've obviously got the, the important thing we're doing and tracing all the orders coming in. Um, but actually, BIM, down the line as well, could have a real important impact on this traceability. Um, yeah. and, and, it, and it's there. You know, we just got to embrace it for all projects. Obviously, at the moment, it, it's kind of it's limited to the kind of the government kind of funded kind of projects. The the uh, kind of future would be expand across all these all kind of types of projects. Um, yeah, and it is slowly happening. Mm -hmm. um, private sector is definitely starting to see yeah, the, the benefits of BIM and and are starting to use it. Well, we saw that by the research that we did because you you know you're seeing that small, medium and large size architects are all starting to look at this rather than, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to say 18 months, two years ago, I think you would have been limited to the real large architects practice. I could be quite generic when I say that. I'm sure there was others that were looking at it. But just from the general search we're seeing, I was quite interested that even the very smallest of kind of architects firms were trying to embrace this. And, and that's where it gets driven from, you know, they're promoting this to their kind of clients. This, this is how it kind of, and you can see this is going to develop quite quickly, I think. I suppose if you think about it, if you compare it to a car, obviously we've got our sort of service log and that kind of thing. And so when you go to sell your car, you know when your car's been serviced and what work's been done, etc. And so really this is sort of an amazing, accurate record of the building as well. And so, you know, when it comes to maintaining the building and making any changes, you know, BIMRI does sort of provide that sort of outline of what's actually on there, when it was put there, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I've, I've heard the analogy to, to the car entry quite a bit, you know, and, and I, I think actually it does make sense, doesn't it, really? You know, that you have a new water pump fitted and they know exactly which factory it was made, when it was made, and w which car it's ended up being installed on. You know, they have got that. And uh, I know when Judith Hackett did some of her kind of... Uh, um, talked about some of her background, you know, she, she was bringing some of this kind of information from other areas, for, you know, and, uh, and she was looked at, she said the construction industry is to look out to other sectors, what are they doing? And, and when you look at the car parts industry, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really? And this is where BIM will, will kind of follow. So going back to the Hackett Report, do you believe BIM can be a tool used to deliver this golden thread of information that um, Duke, Dame Judith Hackett talks about? Well, it's going to be part of it. It's not going to be obviously the whole answer, but knowing which products are going to be on a building, that's going to be key. I, I think the other thing, actually, when you talk about the, uh, you know, Judith Hackett, she talks, obviously, you've got to make sure you've got the right product information with it. So, yes, you've got a data file, but it's all information about maintenance of different products, because obviously we can talk about insulation, but obviously there's other kind of products on, on a building, and there's certain things that uh, you're looking at for insulation guidelines, maintenance, um, repair, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, you've also got any kind of remedial works or any changes in the building. So, you know, I'm not saying that can all be covered with BIM, but so BIM's going to be part of the answer. Um, I mean, yeah. for, for me, Matt, I, I'd say BIM's in 
in a perfect position as such um, to be one of the main tools for, for delivering this golden thread of information. Um, because to start with, it's already something that's been mandated by the UK government. Um, and if BIM is done correct, it provides high quality digital records um, throughout the whole building's life cycle. Um, there, there's a maintenance log of, of the as-built design and all of the building and its components. Um, and it enables uh, data, uh, product data logging through the, the Kobe data sets, um, which, I mean, to be fair, BIM isn't perfect. No, that's what I was going to say. It wasn't, I'm not saying it, it, it can be a centerpiece, but like I said, it's developing. Mm. It isn't perfect to do everything yeah. at the moment. And that, I guess that's the point I was trying to make really is, is that, but you're right. I mean, if the right effort are put behind it, and I, and, and I agree with your comment about the government making it a mandatory for certain types of buildings, and, and that's where it's going to be driven from. I mean, in many ways, there is no perfect tool out there at the moment, otherwise it would have been done. We've got to develop BIM to actually do that job, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I agree. Kingspan are developing a new innovation hub at Kingscourt Island, and one of the key projects there includes a new digital building information management system that clients can use from the design phase through construction and afterwards for maintenance. The idea is that this will allow the creation of a digital twin building Digital, sorry, a digital twin for a building. What exactly is this and what are the benefits? So a digital twin is exactly how it sounds. So it, it's an exact digital replica of a, of a physical real life building. Um, the, the digital twin actually includes all of the products, etc., that, that go into this building, um, but it's also f completely full of sensors. So these sensors then link to a cloud-based system um, that then gather all of the data about real-time statuses of, of what's going on in the building, the working conditioning, the positioning of where these sensors are. Um, and that system then processes all that data and, and puts it into this digital model as such of the building. Um, the advantages could be anything say if you were looking at duct work you could if you've got sensors throughout the duct you could see if you're getting uh, any air leakage um, you could see current um, temperatures of the building so you know one area could be 30 degrees as an example while another's 20 degrees obviously there's something not quite right there um, there, there are many many advantages to it and I think as BIM evolves and the digital twins get more and more information into them, the sensors get smarter. So yeah, you'd be able to, to use the digital twin to, to control the building um, rather than using it as like a, a record or, or a mirror of the, of the building, which I think you know, is, is fascinating at, at what it could do. Um, but again, it, I think it's an area that definitely needs some development before it's, before it's fully there. That's the thing with, with BIM, there's so much potential to develop it and into what the industry kind of needs. I mean, there's, there's some fascinating kind of opportunities there, isn't there? And it's uh, great what they're doing at uh, Island. So, what is the future for manufacturers and BIM? It's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a lot of talk at the moment is around manufacturers data so some manufacturers believe that the industry suffered a false start with BIM objects uh, they, they see them as tier one contractors kind of demanded them from manufacturers obviously then because there was the demand manufacturers have kind of jumped on the ship and said all right this is what we need to do first of all these like these manufacturers are then looking at should they first of all be taking the data that they've got assessing it and using it internally to make their processes better um, before even thinking about what the customer needs from them um, but then following that they then need to make their data available in a format which is readable by all project stakeholders in a standardized format um, I don't mean by that because you know it's looking at that central storage of data that's feeding multiple internal systems but ultimately that becomes your main storage place for your main kind of data and that feeding it might be what you declare on literature and certification and but it's almost at the central point isn't it and I, and I guess it's having what the what is companies what the kind of data is like and what systems are but some yeah. of them are looking at that first I guess before looking at what the customer is but that is ultimately might be the right step because you've got to have you make sure your data is accurate yeah. clean and correct before you can do the next bit of seeing actually what the customer kind of kind of wants yeah um, I know that we've done a lot of work look at the, the object that you've been doing Charles is actually making sure those those objects are clean accurate um, and looking at what software packages that we can use to update those objects more quickly um, you, you know I mean that's something that we've had some success with some of the recent kind of trials with. Yeah, yeah. so it's making sure that you you can update these kind of objects you can make sure the customers have got the right ones but also you've got an archive system that you can actually see exactly what object you had and when uh, which is, I mean you've got to have a proceed you've got to have procedures and processes in place otherwise it will just get out of control which is um, yeah I mean for, for me there's always going to be a place in the construction industry for BIM objects. Yeah, I just think they need to be, they need to evolve. They need to become a lot smarter. Um, and then, you know, by doing so, like we've spoken about traceability, that that's the object itself kind of getting smarter. Um, and obviously, advances in technology is obviously going to play a big part in in that as well. Um, but I mean, kind of then looking towards the future of BIM. I think first of all we need to solve the current issues that we've got with BIM so the whole supply chain for me needs to be able to work in a BIM environment and use BIM as standard practice which is something that, that doesn't happen at the moment the, the big issue you've got is that because BIM can't be localized to one location so you can't just have a BIM working group for the UK it needs to be global and that's the big issue that we've got at the moment is you've got some people doing something in the UK but you could have five solutions from the UK you then go over to Europe you've got another ten you then go Australia you may have another two solutions um, so what really needs to happen is, is we need you know a, a global collaboration with 
not only the construction industry but also the the software manufacturers as well because at the end of the day they're the ones that are creating the software mm. for BIM to work and if they're not involved then again it, like the manufacturers going off doing their BIM objects they're just going to go off and do their own thing and hope it's hope it's the best one they can do it's about collaboration isn't it I, mean, I know you said that to me quite a number of times that the way to deliver this in future is uh, industry collaboration mm. and uh, you know that's got to be the message isn't it really yeah but I definitely can see once those issues are, are ironed out um, I can see kind of BIM being used as a basis to a lot of future home um, slash building technology so it could be used as a tool to develop a lot of the, the smart home technology um, like your, your smart meters, your heating systems, uh, you could even as I said earlier control your lights and things through it. Um, the internet of things and obviously the digital twins are going to be heavily involved in that so as more devices are have these internet capabilities um, that's all going to link in with BIM as well so it's uh, I mean for an example you could say a window gets smashed your sensor in that window picks that up searches for the product in the building model once it's found that product it could then do a search for it notify the building occupier that that window smashed this is the product that was there do you want me to order it for you and it and you just say yes and it does it all for you so, so that's where really, that's where really we get to and, and you can be you can be thinking about there's an issue on a naming convention and and, it, and you can think oh you know there's quite there's, there's some issues there that need sorting out but that's the end goal isn't it you know and that's what the potential is that's the exciting bit about them well i think that's a fantastic point to finish on thank you both so much I think you'll agree that this is just the start for BIM. It sounds like there's plenty of exciting developments on the horizon. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. If you have any feedback, please get in touch on info at kingspaninsulation.co.uk or for more information, visit our website at kingspaninsulation.co.uk forward slash podcast. <laughs>